Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, hey, you do you. You do you. Just let them know. You do, hey, you do you. Um, hey, real quick, we did, we did some, um, we'll do it again. Somebody was in my small group on Friday, and I said something about, she goes, yeah, I'm a cat person. Apparently, I dissed the cat people last week. I just want to repent for that. I'm sorry. I, I'm not kind of like cats. I, they're not to be, I have dogs, but anyway, I have cat people out there. You got cats, cat people, okay, dog people. A lot more dog people. <laughs> uh, mountain people, mountain people, beach people. Have you ever noticed this? This is just like weird observation. This is free. This is in the sermon notes. Um, you ever notice how like weird people are attracted to the beach? Like you go to the beach and you just find some of the weirdest people. You think, why do weird people go to the beach? And not like normal like vacation people, like but people that want to live on the beach. You know what I mean? Like, and then mountain, and then you go to the mountains and you think it's different. There's weird people in the mountains too. Normal people are in the middle somewhere. Anyway, okay, chess people, chess, any chess? Bobby Fisher, we're looking. Okay, che- checker people, checker. Don't care, don't play there. Okay, great. All right, galaxy, any galaxy people? Nothing. Ga- Samsung Galaxy? Okay, yeah, you just forget, forget it, it's over now. Um, well, hey, we are in a series called You Do You, and, and the point of the whole series is to figure out, if I'm supposed to do me, then who is me, and how do I know who I am? And the Bible speaks very directly to this subject. Uh, the Apostle Paul takes an entire book of the Bible, I think, and makes it his major theme to tell you who you are now. That literally what happens is this, is that when you put your faith in Jesus, that something incredible happens, and that now... You know, again, we use the term Christian, and the Bible really doesn't use that term. We, we use it, and then we've tagged a hundred plus different denominations to it, and all kinds of different styles and rituals, and different kind of. The, the Pope got his thing, and then Protestant people got their thing, and then inside of that, you got, then you got Greek Orthodox people over here, and then you got inside of Protestant, you got Methodists, and Baptists, and Presbyterians, and Episcopalians, and Lutherans, and people ask us, we, we are. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just trying to read the Bible and love Jesus and do the best I can. I don't know what you could do. We the Jesus people. I don't know. I don't have a name for that. We should make up a name and then have a list of rules and figure out who can get in and who can get out. I'm just kidding because that would ruin it all. So, but my point is the Bible doesn't really use this term Christian. The Bible uses the term in Christ. That's the big theme of this book of Ephesians. This this idea that the Apostle Paul is trying to throw out to you is that he wants you to think of yourself now as being in Christ. And this is the definition of being in Christ. It's a new position that shapes your identity. Now, how many of you ever... Let's go back in time real quick here. You remember? I want you to think about your first job. You remember your first job? It was terrible, wasn't it? Anybody have some just awful jobs when you were young? And I worked in a sandwich shop for a little while. That was terrible. I worked at a call center that calls people in di- at dinner time and tries to sell them garbage that they don't need. I did that for like two months, and I was like, I hate myself because of this. So, um, so I, I, I worked. Uh, I worked at Christian bookstores. I worked. I worked at a men's clothing store. I don't know what that was. Anyway, uh, I worked at Blockbuster. Anyway, Blockbuster. Young people, do y'all ever heard of Blockbuster? It's a dinosaur. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, but, but how many know when you get a job, you normally get a position, right? Like you got a title and a position. But your hope in life, you know, I mean, if you started out in and out Burger and you was the, the, the fry person, 
you, know, you want to move it on up to the milkshake person, or you, you know, you, you want to, and, and that, that's maybe the best way that I can get you to think about it is that you've been living in life at that job and that position with that title and those perks and those benefits. But when you put your faith in Jesus, he literally just picks you up and puts you into a brand new position. And with that new position, there's new perks. There's new benefits. There's a new title. Hopefully there's a, a little bit of, of, a, of an upgrade, a little bit of a, a you know, uptick in, in, in money and upward mobility and all those things. That's the way I want you to see it is that you were living a life. And the Bible's got different ways of describing that you were once dead and now you're alive. You were once lost and now you're found. You were once on the outside, but now you are in Christ. And in that new position comes a new title. And this new title, these new things, they shape your identity. And the whole point of life is for you to discover who you are in Christ. Because if you'll figure out who you are, figuring out what to do becomes incredibly Easy. So if you have your Bible, go back to Ephesians chapter 1 as we dive deeper in. Last week we just opened up and unpacked this idea of being in Christ. Today I'm going to start to kind of unravel. It's like pulling on a thread and then you just keep, it just keeps coming. That's what happens when you figure out you're in Christ. You start pulling on that thread and you just realize there's just more and more there. And we're going to look at what he says about you once you are in Christ. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints. Everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, I am a saint. That was very unconvincing. No one, like a third of y'all believed that when you said it. Now, let's try it again. A little bit of Las Vegas Raiders gusto. Everybody say, I am a saint. I'm a saint. I'm sorry I'm messing with you Raider fans. My bad. Um, I am a saint. This, I didn't say that about you. The Bible said that about you. So he says, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, the Father, or God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Everybody say blessed. Blessed, blessed us in Christ. So in Christ we are Blessed. He's blessed us in Christ. In Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The, the, the first thing that I want you to know as we begin to pull on that thread of what it means to be in Christ is this. is I want you to know that in Christ you are blessed. Everybody say, God bless you. Just God bless you. I'm blessed. I want you to know that. I want you to know that as you put your faith in Jesus that that you don't have to try to go out and, and somehow earn God's blessing. You already are blessed. It's something that it's, it's, it's the title, it's the new position, it's the new you. So that you can go do you. So you are now blessed in Christ Jesus. Now again, let me, let me help you real quick here. Because when I say blessed, blessed is kind of a churchy word, right? We don't typically use that word. I don't know, it's kind of getting a little bit out there though. If you listen to certain, I'm so blessed. If you're, now, I'm from the South. Anybody from the South or spending time in the South? In the South, we judge people. And we're like, oh, bless their hearts. Which is just a really trying to, like, religious, nice, sweet way of saying, we judge them. Oh, bless their hearts. They're so dysfunctional. That's really what that means. 
So that's not what I'm talking about when I say that you're, you're blessed. How many know, like, if somebody sneezes, we got this thing in my house right now, because apparently my son has sneezed a few times, and I was unaware that he sneezed or oblivious to the fact, and I didn't say, God bless you. And now my son has, like, a sneezing offense at me, which, husbands, I just want you to know, like, heads up, if your wife sneezes, you say, God bless you. There's like a whole Seinfeld episode on this subject. You just say, God bless you. That, and you, you know, that, that originally was like Pope Gregory III or whatever. It was like, he just, God bless you when you sneeze. It's trying to, health and wellness to you is really kind of what that meant. So that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about God bless you when you sneeze. We're talking about, this is what the idea of blessing kind of means when we look at both the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a couple ways of looking at it, but one of the ways that, that really Paul's describing it here is the idea that blessing means to speak well of, to praise somebody, or to give a favor, right? That, like that we, and we love the give a favor part, right? Like somebody hooks you up with some tickets, to the game or to the show or to the concert. He's like, oh man, that dude hooked it up. He blessed me or that person blessed me. She blessed me with this. If anybody ever comes to help you move, how many know you're like, oh, what a blessing. You know, that kind of a thing. And so when somebody does you a, a favor, they bless you. Or the other way to think of it is, is to speak words over somebody. And this was an Old Testament idea, like fathers would take their, their children and speak these blessings over them before they died in life. And, and that was just kind of this thing. And so the Bible says that in Christ Jesus, you already are blessed. It's not something you're trying to achieve, attain, work for, or earn. It's something that you already are. You just now have to discover what does that actually mean look like. Now, let, let me help you out real quick here, because there's a couple of big ideas that I think this is, this is important that we need to cover, and then I'm going to give you five ways that God blesses you. So the, the first thing that I want you to know about is that the reason why I think Paul starts with this idea of blessing is because of where he's at. So Paul is speaking to the church of Ephesus, and Ephesus is this major port city. It's what we would consider on the western shore of Turkey, but it was this incredible kind of like port city that anybody going west had to go through Ephesus. Anybody traveling east went through Ephesus. It was a major trade center. It had the largest bank in the ancient world, and it was just, but they were incredibly pagan. And by pagan, I just mean they had all these different weird notions of how God worked or what God did. And they had a temple, and it was actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And it was the temple of Artemis. Everybody say Artemis. Artemis was this ancient deity, and, and during Paul's day, like she might have been the most worshipped deity in all of, of kind of the pagan world at that point in time. And she was considered the goddess of fertility, okay? Not to totally weird you out, but it was... It was literally a statue with a woman's head, and she was referred to as the mini-breasted one. It was literally just a, it was weird. So, you picture that however you want. That is the, the, the temple that they would worship in. And then what they would do is, is they had like eunuchs, which I'll let your mind go there too. And then they had like, then they had virgin priestesses, and then they had prostitute priestesses, and then they had these erotic rituals. And the idea was this, is that if you'll go and give, if you'll go and sacrifice, if you'll go do weird things, if you'll go jump through all these hoops, if you go do all these things, maybe, just maybe, Artemis, the goddess of fertility, will give you all this stuff. If, if Make sure you can have kids, fulfillment, all these things, prosperity. And if you will do all these things, Artemis will bless you. That was the idea. And so Paul is looking at this paying culture. 
who's going to the temple with the weird lady and all the things, and there he sees this crazy, sinful, wicked, I mean, just over-the-top type behavior and ritual. And he's seeing all that they're trying to do and all that they're trying to conjure up, all the things that they got to try to manipulate, because this is the idea of the pagan world. You either have to buy God off or you have to manipulate God. And if you'll buy him off or manipulate him, you can get God to do stuff for you, i.e., Bless you. Are you catching what I'm saying? So this was the lie. The lie was, in essence, that I need to bargain or manipulate to get God to bless me. And Paul sees this type of behavior. And by the way, we still do some of the same stuff just in our own version now. We, we sometimes look at God and we think, well, I was really bad this week. There's no way God will bless me. As a matter of fact, we look at like when something, but we get superstitious is what we do. Some of you are superstitious, some of you are a little stitious, but you're stitious. And what you, what you do is, you think because of what you did, and then all of a sudden your tire goes flat, you're like, oh no, God is getting me. No, you haven't changed your tires in five years, and you don't rotate them. It's good, they're going to go out. So my, my point is, though, that we look at like bad things that happen to us, and we get all stitches and think God's cursing us, or we, or we sometimes think, I need God to do something for me, so I'll start acting and behaving and doing things that I wouldn't normally do because if I can do these things, I'll get God to bless me. And Paul is basically trying to annihilate this mentality. He goes, that's not how you get God to bless you. Let me blow your mind here. You already blessed. In Christ Jesus, you already are blessed. You just need to discover how you are already blessed. That's big idea number one. The second big idea that I I want you to get your head around is found in these opening verses. In verse three, he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then at the end of it, he begins to wrap it up with saying, blessed be God, our father and Jesus Christ, who has given us the Holy Spirit. That's by the time you get down to verse 13 and 14. I just want you to see that what God, I want you to think of it like this. The father has blessed you in Christ Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Which means this, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Is that in essence, God is not just the source of blessing, God himself is the blessing. Like, 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 that, like here's what you need to know. Oh, I hope you catch this. It's, it's God himself. Like blessing is not in the stuff. The stuff is just bonus. It's like icing on the cake. You know what the cake is? It's God himself. There is nothing better or greater and sweeter in life than just having the comfort and presence of God himself in your life. That's, it's that. I'm telling you, God is the source of all blessing, but it's actually himself. Because like, think about it like this. The greatest gift that he could give you was not stuff. The greatest gift he could give you was himself. It's in him. It's, he, he is the gift himself. He's not just the source, because here's what I believe to be true, is that if you get all the stuff, but you don't have God, you still end up empty in life and wanted. But when you have God, the stuff comes and goes, and you are still completely satisfied in him. As a matter of fact, there's a story. See, this is not just the Apostle Paul making stuff up. This is, this is found to be true. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous parables and stories that Jesus ever told was called the story of the prodigal son. How many of you are familiar? Just a little bit. Yeah. So the story of the prodigal son is actually really about two sons. And if you know the story, you know it kind of starts off with you got the younger kid 
who decides he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance early. I don't even care that you're dead yet or not, but I want my stuff. Now, how many of you know, like, my dad would have punched me in the mouth if I'd have been like, give me my stuff. I don't care if you're alive or not. I mean, like, but this is it's a story. So the story is meant to show a point. And so the, the radical part of the story is, is that the father gives the kid his half of the inheritance. And the kid runs off, goes buck wild, blows it all on crazy, wild living, loses it all, ends up poor, broken, destitute. And so then he figures out, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go back to dad and beg him, and maybe he'll just give me a job. That's, that's his mentality. So when he comes home, the father's like, oh, I'm so glad you're home. He hugs him, embraces him, and he puts a ring on his finger and a robe on him. He goes, no, no, you're not going to go and, and just work for me. You're still my son. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, God's grace is incredible that he would let this kid back in. But here, again, this is a story about two sons. So the older brother, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, doing everything right. When the little brother comes home, he gets mad. And he gets huffy. And he's like, well, you never threw a party for me and my friends. And he gets all jacked out of shape. And he, so the younger brother wanted the stuff and just had the guts to ask for the stuff. The older brother thought he could somehow, you see, he's trying to earn his daddy's stuff. But his mind is still on the Stuff. Now listen to what the father says, because this is, this is the point of the whole parable, if you've, ever, if you've ever seen this before. John chapter 15, verse 31 says this. When the father replies to the older son, this is what he says. He says, my son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Do you see the difference? Like the son was gone, and then he came back, and the dad was just happy that the son was with him. And the older son never left, and the dad was just happy that he was with him and they both the both of the brothers are missing it because all they want to do is figure out how can i get the stuff one is just rude and ask for it the other thinks he can earn it but what the father said is that i just want you to be with me because if you are with me everything i have is yours so he is the he is the blessing and he is the source of all blessing all at the same time but if you just keep looking for the stuff you're gonna end up mad angry disappointed because you didn't earn it and trick god into giving it to you or you're just gonna go out and live buck wild and crazy and wreck your life and either way you'll end up in a life wanting the presence and the blessing of god it, it, that's that is it that is the ultimate gift he is the blessing and then he is the source of every blessing after that that's good stuff somebody say amen that's good stuff. So what, what, he's, what he's saying is, is that remember that it, you blessed God because in Christ Jesus you are blessed. Now, this is what happens next. The Apostle Paul goes on for the next six verses describing a whole bunch of ways that God has blessed you with spiritual blessings. Now, again, when I start getting into this stuff, you're going to be like, wait a minute, that's a blessing? I needed a new car. No, these are not material blessings well, maybe I'll wrap that up in the end. These are spiritual blessings. These are things that God has given you. And I'm going to cover five of them. There's actually a, a few more laced just in these six verses, but I need you to still beat the Baptist to the buffet line so I can't cover them all. So that, that's how we're going to roll. We're going to go cover at least five of them. So you ready? Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4 says this. It says that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy 
and blameless before him. So the first blessing that God wants to give you is the blessing of holiness. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was like, man, it just got quiet up in here. But I was like, wait a minute. Because they all think I just tricked you. Like, this is a bait and switch. He said he was going to bless me, but then he said the word holy, and I know that I'm not holy, so wait a minute. What's going on here? Let, let, let me help you understand here real quick here. There's two ways that I want you to think about being holy. There is both uh, what we would call positional holiness and then practical holiness. Does that make sense? Let me, just, let me break it down like this. Positional holiness is this. It's that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He just sees Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The reason why you're holy is because God ain't looking at you. <laughs> That's it. Because if he looked at you, whew, we're all in trouble. So he's not looking at you. He's looking at Jesus. This is why the, 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 the way that Paul wrote it in, in the book of Corinthians, I believe it was, it was that Jesus who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you seeing like, so your holiness is totally positional. It's just because God ain't looking at you. He's looking at Jesus and Jesus was holy. But there's also practical holiness. Practical holiness is this, is that God gives you a new desire for better things. Like there is, like our God is a holy God. He is a, a, a separated God. There's nothing evil or, or tainted about him. He is completely pure. And what happens is, is that when I find myself in Christ, and I realize this new position of, of holiness in Christ Jesus, it begins to change my desires. This is why ultimately the Bible says that we live by grace and not by the law. And let me explain that. The law was just a list of rules that told you whether you were good or bad, right? For a person that really experiences the holiness of God, they don't need this whole new set of rules that says I have to do this and I can't do that and I need to do this and I won't be able to do that anymore. What they have is they have a new heart because they are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And now, and it doesn't happen overnight, but the more and more you discover who you are in Christ Jesus, just simply your desires change. This is why we feel a sense of conviction when we go off into something that we know we shouldn't be doing and we have a new desire and a new hunger and a new thirst for things that before we never ever wanted to do. That's the idea of holiness. It is a blessing to have holiness in our lives if we'll just discover it. Number two is this. Let's keep reading. The Bible says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for, everybody say adoption. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So I want you to know, like, blessing number two is this. It's the blessing of adoption. I want you to know that you were spiritually orphaned in life. See, what happened was, is when you go back to the Garden of Eden, and you find Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were God's original kind of sons and daughters. And the Bible says that when they sinned against God, they, in essence, were like in rebellion against God. And because of that, sin created a divide and a separation from us and our Heavenly Father. And the whole point of the prophets and the law and Jesus and all that we know and experience and, and see throughout history, this is all about you trying to get back into relationship with God. That's it. And so the, the, the way that Paul described it was, he goes, you, you, you were with once with God, but because of your sin, you were orphaned. But now God has redeemed you through Christ Jesus. You adopted now. And this is, and this is why this is so this is so awesome. 
Um, because y'all are, y'all are all grown-ups, right? We're all grown-ups in here. You know, when you adopt a little baby, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Like if you were to go through the adoption process, we know people in our church have adopted or trying to adopt even. I have friends that have adopted. And when you go through the adoption, pro- adoption process, you're, you're adopting a baby and you're, you're adopting somebody and you don't, know what, you don't know what kind of a bundle that is. You don't know what's going to come out. God adopted you in your grown-up-ness. Which means, yeah, he's taking you with all your crazy, with all your weird, with all your dysfunction, with all your sin, with all your bad. And he knew it in advance. It wasn't like he got tricked. It wasn't like he adopted just the paperwork went through and he got you and was like, oh, junk, are you kidding me? He knew it. He knew it all. And in light of everything he knew about you, he still chose you. That's incredible. Listen to what, listen to this. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said, "A man, when he adopts a child, sometimes is moved thereto by its extraordinary beauty, or at other times by its intelligent manners and winning disposition. But beloved, when God passed by the field in which you were lying, He found a rebellious child, a filthy, frightful, ugly child. He took it into his bosom and said, "Sinful though thou art, yet I cover thee with His robe." And in thy brother's garments, I accept thee. And taking us all unholy and unclean, just as we are, he took us to be his children, his forever. Yeah, can we give the Lord a big hand clap? Just thank God that he adopted us. All crazy, all wild, all messed up. He, he, he chose us and he chose us forever. Because it's, it's, it's an adoption thing that the Bible says, this is why it says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a binding contract. It has been sealed. And he's adopted you in and said, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm with you forever. I want to be your heavenly father. Will you let me adopt you? I just want you to know you don't have to be an orphan anymore. You are loved. You are wanted. You are accepted. God chose you. That's how much he loves you. Everybody say amen to that. That's some good stuff. So this idea of adoption is a blessing. Number three is this. We'll call it the blessing of redemption. The blessing of redemption. So to go back to the original kind of text and where we were at just a second ago, the Bible says, says that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have Everybody say redemption. In him we have redemption through his blood. Like I just want you to know that like the idea of redemption comes from the Old Testament and particularly in the story of the Exodus. The story of the Exodus is a story about a bunch of Hebrew slaves and we're in slavery for 400 years. And the Bible says that God redeemed them. Like God, I just want you to know this. Like not only are you adopted, Not only do you have new desires towards holiness, but like God wants to break slavery off of your life. The slavery of your mind, the slavery of your past, the things that you find yourself addicted to and bound to and you can't seem to break through. I just want you to know that God has the ability through redemption to break slavery off of your life. Listen to this scripture. (coughs) Excuse me. John chapter 8 verse 34, the Bible says, Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in the house forever, but the son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you are free indeed. Somebody say amen to that. Number four is this. We call it the blessing of forgiveness. The blessing of forgiveness. The Bible says in verse 7, 
In him we have redemption through his blood, and we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Like this is, see, you remember, these aren't, this isn't like God trying to hook you up with a new job and a new car and a new do and a new whatever. Like these are spiritual blessings. And again, what you'll find is this, is that number one, God himself is the blessing. And then out of that flows these spiritual blessings. And I'm telling you, when you get that stuff aligned up, everything else falls into its proper place. And all the material blessings that you think would actually benefit your life, they, they, they come or don't come based on God's plan for your life. I'm telling you, this is the root of real blessing. Because if you get stuff without God, you're still empty. And so it all begins with these big ideas. And it starts with these ideas of adoption and redemption and holiness. Everybody say forgiveness. Like, I, I want you to know that God has what it takes to overcome your sin. Because the human nature, the human response to sin is typically like, like just... Deny it. You ever been there before? I don't have any problems. I'm not angry. Um, isn't that the best? I'm not yelling. We just deny it. Sometimes we minimalize it. Well, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I didn't kill nobody. <laughs> Sometimes we just blame it on other people. Do you know my mother? Do you know my father? Well, they made me do it. They tricked me into doing it. Hide it. Man, there's, there's something too secret sin, covering sin up. Just try to not to let anybody find out about it. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. They're just trying to hide. It's the nature of, of sin is to, is to try to hide. Here's another one, payback God. We'll just, we'll just pay back God. We will, I will work so hard. I will do all these good things. And maybe if I do enough good things, God will like me. I'm telling you, God already loves you. Or you just punish yourself. This is what guilt is, Right? I'll just, I'll just beat myself up over and over and over and over again. And these are all the ways that we have come up with to try to fix our sin issue. You know what God's antidote was? What God's prescription was? He said, confess it. Bring it to me. And I'll forgive you. Watch this. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin. That's a big if. We've got to stop denying and minimalizing and blaming and all that. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to know that like, that's a huge blessing to know that I don't have to punish myself, guilt myself, pay God. I, no, no, no. Jesus paid it all. It is an incredible blessing to be forgiven. Um, last one is this, and we'll begin to kind of wrap up right here. It is the blessing of grace. The blessing of grace. Again, going back to that one scripture there. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness from our trespasses according to, like, where did this stuff even come from? It's according to the riches of his grace. I want you to know, like, God has blessed you with his grace, with his favor and kindness towards you. The reason why he gave you any of these things. Paul was trying to say, look, you... you the people of Ephesus, they're trying to earn it and do rituals and all these things, trying to manipulate God or earn things from God. or Because that's not how it works. You're already blessed. And the reason why you're blessed is because God is just kind and gracious. Would you please just embrace that and accept that? Listen, this is how salvation takes place. The Bible says later in the book of Ephesians, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But it's not of yourselves. It is just simply a gift from God. Man, we're blessed. I just, I just want you to know you're blessed. All these things, this is the starting point of joy. This is the starting point of fulfillment. It's that the blessing is God. And out of being 
In Christ Jesus, all these other things flow. And I'm telling you, when you put these things together, all of life begins to order itself. You find yourself in the sweet spot of life. You find yourself in his plan and purpose. And in light of that, all things kind of begin to come together. And it all begins with his grace, the unearned and undeserved kindness of God. Last story, and I'll close here. It was an interesting story. Back in the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon had this church of like 40,000 people in London. And it was just ridiculous to think about. And thousands upon thousands of people. And there was another great church in town. And the pastor of that church's name was Joseph Parker. Well, well, Spurgeon's church had this orphanage that did an incredible work in the city of London taking care of orphanages. And, and Parker got up on a Sunday and he talked about orphans and he mentioned the orphanage that Charles Spurgeon had and how just poor and destitute these children were that were going to this, this orphanage. And somehow it was misinterpreted what he said. And somehow it got back to Spurgeon that in essence, Parker was bagging on the orphanage and saying bad things and saying mean things about the orphanage. So you know what? Spurgeon gets up that Sunday morning and kind of gives Parker the business from the pulpit and lets everybody know what this guy said was so awful and so mean and so whatever. So then that gets back to Parker. And then everybody's like, oh, dang, it's going down. Preacher drama. <laughs> and they all, so a bunch of people go over to Parker's church that next Sunday because they want to see what Parker says about Spurgeon. And this is what he said. He said, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today because this is the Sunday that they used to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest that we take a love offering here as well. And the story reports that the people gave so generously. This is back in the Dizay when they had like plates. Now we learn, you just do buckets. But they had to pass the plates, like they had to dump them three times because the plates were so fun. That's why you go buckets now. We learned from Spurgeon and Parker to go bucket. And, but there was so much giving and so much generosity, and they sent that over to it. And Spurgeon finds out about it, and then he kind of discovers the truth of what was really said. And so he actually goes, hat in hand, and he goes to Parker, and he says these words. He said, you know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have not given me what I deserve." You have given me what I needed. I want you to think about that's what grace is. You have not given me what I deserved. You've given me what I needed. I want you to know that this is true of our lives. That if God truly gave us what we deserved, we all deserved our own sin and our own punishment and to reap what we've sown. And to, I mean, none of us deserve to stand in the presence of a holy God. None of us do. But God did not give us what we deserved. He gave us what we needed in Christ Jesus. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that we know today, God, that we walk out of this place knowing we are blessed. We are blessed, God, because you sent your son, Jesus. We are blessed because in him we found redemption and forgiveness from sins. We've, we've somehow like fallen into your grace. God, you even led us to that grace. You, you, you paid the price for us. You've done it all and you didn't give us what we deserve, God. You, you gave us what we needed. You gave us salvation. And so I pray, God, that we would go out of this place a blessed people, so thankful, so grateful, so happy in you, knowing, God, that it is you. You are the blessing. And everything flows from that, Lord. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.
And we all said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning, if you would. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv. 